Welcome back to A Year of Magical Living with me, Imogen Roy. I'm very excited about today's episode because it is my first listener Q&A episode. So I received an anonymous question, which I'm going to answer here. The listener says, I'm a freelancer offering services. Although the services and packages I offer are the same for each of my clients, they all prefer to work on different systems. The result? I end up spread across at least three platforms and the context switching is draining. But if I were to be inflexible, I wouldn't be able to work with these kinds of clients. How can I find a middle ground between my clients' ways of working and my own needs? Well, first of all, thank you very much for sharing this with the Magical Living community. This is a question which I myself have lived with this problem as a former freelancer offering marketing and brand strategy services. And I'm sure many of you listening now can resonate with this conundrum in one way or another. The first thing I will say is I detect a problem under your problem and a question under your question. What do I mean? You said that your problem is that you're currently working across many systems when ideally you'd love just to work with one. But because of the size of the clients that you work with, they have their own embedded tech systems and you don't have influence to change them. But I detect there may be a deeper, less tangible problem underneath this. And my suspicion is that this has got something to do with potentially untested assumptions about what your clients expect from you and the resulting emotional vigilance that is extremely energy draining to you. But first, let me address this topic of context switching because it is extremely valid. And for any of you listening who are not familiar with the term, I'd like to offer a brief explanation. Constant context switching of different ways in which we're using our attention, different relationships we're navigating, different activities that we're doing, and the different flavors of energy that they require in quick succession can be incredibly confusing for the brain and very, very tiring. There are two main ways in which context switching, or one might call multitasking, really have really nefarious effects on our bodies. So the first is that this very fractured and frantic attention really distorts our relationship with time and it also causes memory loss. And if you want to learn a bit more about this, but most importantly, how to change this, I invite you to watch the time bending video that I posted to Instagram last year, and you'll find a link to it directly in the show notes, where I go into uh, the effects of what multitasking does to us and how to change your relationship to it. And actually change your relationship with time 
because when we stop context switching and having very fractured attention, we actually have the experience of experience of having more time and more energy. The second really nefarious way that context switching can affect us is something that has been recently brought to public attention under the name of email apnea. So email apnea uh, was offered to us by a Microsoft researcher called Linda Stone, who found herself experiencing this very strange phenomenon when she was kind of busy in her inbox and having the sense of like mild anxiety or dread around all the emails she had to get to and all the responses and what might be inside them. If she would catch herself holding her breath breath holding for not really any real reason. Now, I myself also found myself experiencing this a lot when I worked in corporate in a really big open plan space where there was so much background noise and there was a huge culture of constant emailing that I would catch myself holding my breath. And I always thought it was an individual problem. But until I read about Linda Stone's uh, research, I didn't realize it was an actual thing. So it's a thing. And what's happening is this vigilant attention and this constant checking of notifications and almost anticipating emails to arise actually sends us into freeze mode, as in fight, flight, freeze. And the breath holding is because somatically our body has gone into a a panic freeze and it's activating the body stress response. And I I go into the, the impact of the body stress response and how to end a stress cycle in episode nine of this podcast about shaking. So those are just two massive ways in which context switching or multitasking affects our bodies. And it's really not good. You can understand how over a span of weeks, months, years, decades, if we're talking about lifelong impact of toxic productivity, the enormous drain and physical symptoms that can arise from living in this way. Okay, so back to your question. Now, of course, you already know that being in this hypervigilant state of attention that you get from context switching is making you work against yourself. But you can't change the platforms you're working on. But could you change the way you use your attention? Now, you mentioned that you're a freelancer, and this is something that comes up with every single coaching client I work with who's an independent is we often tend to forget, as self-employed people, how much agency we do have. And the number one thing I want you to hold on to here is you get to control the pace. You may not get to control the platform or the system or the messaging service that your clients are using but you do get to control the pace with which you use them. You get to control when and where 
you receive notifications, messages, updates, and you get to control when and how you respond. And you also get to control when and how you stop and rest and recharge your energy throughout the day. And so my offering to you is inviting you to consider that you could potentially radically transform your experience of working with these clients across these platforms without making any visible changes whatsoever. So let me share three things you could try. Number one, change your relationship to the notifications and reclaim your attention and your agency. I invite you to challenge an untested assumption that you might be carrying as a freelancer. And that untested assumption might be that you believe that your value is based on being constantly available to respond to your client. Even if at first consideration, you might be saying to yourself, oh yeah, but I, I know that that's not true. But is it still showing up in your behavior and the way you talk to yourself? So we live in this culture of what's called always on, but always on is often kind of a myth. It's often not actually expected. It has rarely been explicitly demanded. And most of all, it is very rarely needed, especially not every day. But this assumption that we carry that we need to always be on and always be responding and fielding messages can actually decrease our value because that behavior takes us away from doing the actual work that's in our expertise. It can lead to a decrease in the quality of that work because of the aforementioned impact of context switching and being constantly available multitasking. So it can decrease the quality of that work that we are offering and actually have a long-term negative effect on our reliability as a result. I can totally imagine how trying to field messages, requests, send updates, receive documents across three tech platforms simultaneously with three different clients, three different kinds of relationships and needs is really demanding. But what if you try to do things a little differently? You mentioned Slack, Microsoft Teams and email. So I'm going off the basis that these are platforms for communication. One thing that you can try is something that I myself tried as a terrifyingly high risk experiment in my original year of magical living in 2019, when I was trying to heal from my burnout by taking lots of little experimental actions in how I showed up at work. And so one of the experimental actions was to reverse my behavior around communication with clients, which had been basically as soon as email, WhatsApp, Slack message, Google alert comes in, 
I need to read it and respond straight away, which inevitably I found, just like you, incredibly draining, exhausting, and was making my nervous system go out of whack. So what I decided as part of my experiment was that I was going to reserve five minutes out of every hour to turn on my notifications, open my inbox, check what was there, triage it, and see what needs to be responded to. So that would mean that I would have 55 minutes of the hour to just focus on my work. And I won't lie, at the beginning, I was terrified to take this action. I thought that if I didn't, imagine if someone sends me a message at at one minute past the hour and I don't get back to them for 59 minutes, what's going to happen? But what I learned from this experiment was that nothing happened. (laughs) None of my eight clients, my consulting clients, as far as I know, even noticed a difference. Because responding to something within an hour is perfectly adequate 99% of the time. And for the 1% of urgent back and forth emergencies, you can either feel that and feel your way through that when it happens and adjust accordingly, or have a protocol in place with your client whereby there is a route to reach you if there is a genuine emergency that only you can solve. So one thing you might want to try is actually creating a boundary around when you put your attention onto these platforms and how you use it. And if checking messages only once an hour feels really scary, you can start with every 30 minutes and maybe see how that goes. Test the impact and if it feel safe, you can then increase that time. Perhaps even once an hour becomes too much. You can even do it once a morning or once a day, depending on your field of work. And I found when I applied this to my life, this removal of instant notifications, this removal of always on, the quality and the speed of my actual work exponentially increased because I was putting my attention onto the right things and therefore the clients were happier. I was able to charge more money and it really changed my life. And every coaching client who works as a, in a service business or even an employee who is trying to change the way that they're showing up at work, trying to be less frantic, less rushing, less stressed, has tried this and has had the same results better work, better quality of relationships, better communications. So the second thing you might want to try in order to reclaim some agency around context switching between all these different platforms is batching. Now, you've probably been encouraged to batch before and you've maybe heard that term, but I want to speak very specifically to how, what and when to batch. Because what I'm talking about here is being very present and aware to the flavor of attention or energy that is currently working for you right now and riding it all the way to its conclusion. So what do I mean? That means if you open up your inbox after an hour (laughs) 
and you're firing back responses to a few things and you just feel like, you know what, I'm feeling really good about communicating right now. It's really working for me. I feel this flow is actually just embrace that energy and say, you know what, I'm actually going to tackle all the outstanding communications that I have across all the systems, all my inboxes, all my direct messages. And I'm just going to use this energy right now until I feel it, until I feel, feel it dissipating, until I feel I need to shift. And maybe rather than five minutes, you give yourself 30 minutes and you use all of that powerful communication energy that feels right, it feels natural, it feels easy, and you get way ahead. Likewise, maybe you're making some assets or you're building some slides or you're doing, you're tinkering around with creative things and tools. And once you've done the task that you, you were supposed to do, you're like, I'm really, I'm enjoying this. Like I want to tinker with more things. I want to make more stuff. Flow with that. See what else you've got on your to-do list or your ideally your could-do list, as I talked about in last week's episode, that uses that particular creative energy and use it as far, take it as far as you can. If this energy is feeling natural to you, use it, batch loads of stuff. Again, get ahead of yourself. If you're in number crunching mode, use it all. If you're in um, tidying up mode, use it all. This is how we batch, not from a sense of, oh, I should be doing this, but more from a sense of, following what's alive, being present to your own body's energy, being present to what feels good and right in the moment, what feels easy. Use the energy that you have to get ahead of yourself. And this is what I encourage you to bring to batching. Okay, number three. And this is maybe one of the, it sounds like the simplest, but in many cases can feel like the hardest. Because my third recommendation is to have more direct conversations about client expectations and boundaries. Because you mentioned that the context switching between the platforms is really tough. But my hunch is that the biggest energy drain of all is all the emotional labor that you're doing around the uncertainty of what each client expects from you and where you stand in your relationship with them in regards to how, how they expect you to show up on these platforms. And the fastest way to eliminate all that exhausting emotional labor and all the uncertainty is to have a conversation. Now, there are so many reasons why Women, and especially minorities and minority women, have been socially trained to avoid having direct conversations about expectations, which I don't need to go into here. But we can all feel that the impact of that on our working lives and our relationships is enormous. It can feel very frightening to have a direct conversation with a client or someone we work with or a manager or our boss to clarify where we stand and what they expect with us. But it can also be so enormously empowering and can give us so much information about 
what we need to focus on, what's important, and most importantly, what we can just forget about because it's not an issue. So, for example, if you're entering into a new client relationship and you want to clarify, you want to lay down your own boundaries and want to clarify, um, push the edges and clarify where the, where their boundaries are, you can say things like, it's so great to be working with you. Here's how I know I work best to deliver this work. And I want to give you a heads up so you know what to expect when it comes to communication and ways of working. I understand that I need to work on your system, which is fine, but here's what that means for me and what to expect. And likewise, you can ask them questions. So what are your expectations about us working together? And if there's any resistance or there's any places where it doesn't add up, you can ask them, okay, that's great. It's good to know that we have these differences. How can we make this work better for both of us? Another way for you to focus their attention on what's really at stake here, especially since you are selling your expertise and your experience, not your response rate or your availability, is to bring their attention to what's most important in the relationship. You could say things like, here's what I've understood is most important to you from your brief, which is why I'm prioritizing getting ahead with focused work on this project, as opposed to responding straight away to every message. Do you see this differently? Let's have a conversation about that. So having these conversations, you can have them at the beginning of a working relationship, but you can also call them at any time, can be so freeing to end all that uncertainty about what's expected of us and where we stand and actually give us permission to go ahead and do the things that we, the, the way we were going to do them anyway. Now, your question about how to navigate working across all these different systems, these different clients and managing your energy was related to a very specific scenario. But we can apply the same thinking and the same challenging assumptions to any kind of problem in which it feels that our influence to change something is impossible or hopeless. Because focusing on the original obstacle, in your case, the frustration at having to work across so many different tech platforms, it's a good start, but it is just the start. Because sometimes focusing on the impossible obstacle too much blinds us to all the opportunities that would actually make that obstacle irrelevant. Change something else or two or three things that are well within your power to change and they might make the original obstacle no problem at all. Having one conversation with a client about how often, how fast they expect you to respond, or putting your phone on silent for 55 minutes of the 60 in an hour, can seem like small, simple things, but they can have such an outsized effect on our nervous system our stress response, our relationship to time, our resources of energy, and thus our entire lives. 
You have so much more agency than you might think. Okay, in this situation, you might not get to choose the tech platform, but you get to control the pace at which you use it. You also get to choose how to use your attention and your energy, when and on what. And if there's any doubt about that, you also get to choose which conversations to have with your clients or not. So thank you so much for sharing this really, really great question with the Magical Living community because I think so many of you listening will resonate with this and I encourage you, question asker, to try these three ideas if any of them resonate. And if you're listening today and you yourself have a productivity conundrum that is getting in the way of magical living, I invite you to share it with me so that I can address it in the next listener Q&A episode. Thank you very much for listening to A Year of Magical Living. I'll be with you again soon.